Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Dr. Cubitt. We're going beyond the barn. Come join us on this journey as we bust equine and livestock nutrition myths and interview some of the most intriguing experts in the country. We'll go behind the scenes of how premium Western quality forage is grown and brought to your favorite farm and ranch retail store. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to the Beyond the Barn podcast. We had so much to chat about. I'm so excited to share part two of my interview with Clinton Anderson with you all on this bonus episode today. So over the years, given all of your experiences, your connection with horses and working with people, what would you say that you've learned the most about yourself through all of it? You might sound a bit negative, but it's the truth. Um, I have a healthy distrust for human beings. And I use the word healthy distrust. When I was young, I used to have an attitude as everybody's innocent till proven guilty. So if you're going to steal out of my wallet, I'll leave my wallet on the counter. And if you steal $100 out of it, then you're guilty. Now I have an attitude of I'm not going to leave my wallet out and I'm not going to make it easy for you to steal from me. So now I have an attitude as everybody's guilty until proven innocent. And so... I don't trust human beings very much anymore. And now I do some, of course, but when I first meet you, instead of having an attitude of, I trust you until you screw me. Now I have an attitude of, you're probably going to screw me. And if you don't, then I'll, then I'll trust you. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And some people, some people might look at that and say, well, you're negative and you're this and you're that. Well, I'm not going to argue that point, but I also say at some point when you have enough shit stolen from you and enough shit, taken from you, you can either wise up and get smart or you can be naive and stick your head in the sand and, and let people take from you. So I have a famous saying that employees will do what you inspect, not expect. Yeah. And that's humans in general. People will do what you inspect, not expect. So when you know, when they know you're not going to inspect their work, they'll fuck off on you. They'll steal from you. They'll do all kinds of bad shit to you. I think when you're really, really poor – um, and you're really, really rich, you see the worst of the human race. And I'll explain why. So when you're really poor, let's say you're raised in the ghetto and you're poor. Even though you're poor, everybody else around you is poor as well. And so if you get, everybody's trying to steal your shit. Everybody's trying to survive. They're trying to steal. If you have anything of wealth, they want to steal it because everybody's just trying to survive. So that's a shitty way to live. Well, the opposite of that is if you're really rich or you have a lot of money. When you have a lot of money, believe it or not, you know what the biggest stress of it is? People trying to take it from you. Yeah. People people stealing from you. When you have assets, people steal from you all the fucking time or try to. Now, when you're middle America, like I live in a neighbor, I live in a subdivision. Homes are probably, you know, $300,000 homes. So it's what I call middle America, okay? Uh, you know, 2,000 square foot home, mom and dad raising a couple of kids. That's, that's the neighborhood I live in now. I could have a big fancy house, but uh, it, it's me and Kristen living in it and a dog. We don't need a big fancy house. We don't have kids. I wanted a small place, easy to take care of, okay? Right. So we, we have neighbors all around us. It's the first time in my career that I've ever lived in a neighborhood like this. I've always lived on the ranch that I trained out of or owned. I've never oh, okay. lived in suburbia. How about we say that? Okay. So I have fucking neighbors on either side of me. Okay. 
And so I own a bunch of rental property in the neighborhood that I live. So, you know, they're 1,800 to 2,000 square foot homes. The range of these homes is anywhere from 275,000 to 325. So we've got a gauge of what kind of house it is now. You know what I mean? A subdivision. Okay. Middle America, in my neighborhood, you could leave the door unlocked most of the time. Uh, Everybody's just trying to raise a family. They're good people around me. They got small children. There's a park right down the road that the kids play at. These are people just trying to make a living, raise some good kids, and get along in the world. So if you lived in that neighborhood, you'd probably have a pretty optimistic view of the human race. Nobody's trying to steal from you. Nobody's trying to fucking steal your car as soon as you get out of it. Nobody's trying to carjack you, etc. But because you're living around people that are not desperate for survival. But when you're dirt poor, everybody's trying to survive. So if you've got something that they can benefit from, they're going to steal it from you from a heartbeat. Opposite is true. When you've got a lot of money, people that get around you are constantly trying to take it because they want it. They want what you have. So you can either be naive about it and stick your fucking head in the sand and act like this shit doesn't happen, or you can be aware of it and try to protect yourself. Like a guy told me one time, he said, don't make it easy for people to steal from you. Don't leave your wallet out with the cash out where it's easy for people to steal from you. At least put the wallet in your pocket and hide it. Does that make sense? And you can you yeah. can say I'm a negative piece of shit. I don't care. But it's reality of life. That's why people like listening to the shit I say because I'm speaking about the shit that's real. This is not the shit that's in the Disney movie. Right. This is the shit that's actually real. Well, and I think your experience is valid, right? Like you used to think, you used to have that more positive mindset. You wanted to have that more positive mindset. But clearly that changed because of experiences that you had, right? Oh yes. Yeah. I've had I've had hundreds of thousands of dollars stolen from me. I've had hundreds of thousands of hours stolen from me from employees. I've had friends steal from me. I, I mean, like, you know, these experiences come from th- you know, one of the negatives of being raised, I have very, very good parents. So I was raised in middle class Amer- uh, Australia. We weren't rich, we weren't poor. So I'm uh, so I was raised by great, great parents. Teach you not to steal, teach you not to to take what doesn't belong to you, teach you to work hard, etc. I will say this, one of the negatives of having really good raising from parents that teach you not to steal or lie. The negative of that is you kind of grow up a little bit naive that you think everybody thinks like you. That's not the case. Right. Oh, that is so true. And I was very naive in my 20s that, you know, you could leave your purse in my car and there could be $1,000 in your purse, but it would literally never fucking cross my mind that if you got out in a gas station to go to the restroom, that I would, I would take the time to go through your purse and steal $100 out of your wallet. That, that was so far from my fucking mind, I, I, I'd have a better conception of trying to land on the moon. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I was raised like, I was raised like that. But what I found out in life is a lot of people are not raised like that. So they would not have a problem in the world if you got out of the gas station and you left your purse in the car, but they would marriage for your wallet and take out two, three hundred dollars when you're taking a piss and come back and smile at you and say, Hey, how is everything? Great, let's get to the next destination. 
You can say I'm negative, but that's human nature. Don't make it easy for people to take advantage of you. Well, and that's the thing is sometimes the nicest of people, they do get taken advantage of for that reason. You know what? You know what? The human race is two types of people. It's either sheep or wolves. Pick your fucking team. I, I hate to say it like that, but it's the truth. You're either a sheep and you get eaten or you're a wolf and you eat. I know Disneyland and fucking Pocahontas is a whole nother world, a whole nother focus on life, that that there's no, there's a middle animal there that's not a sheep and not a wolf. But really when you analyze the world, it's two types of people. You're either going to be a survivor and not being taken advantage of and be a wolf, or you're going to be a sheep and people are going to slaughter you. Take your pick. Now, Disneyland, you know, Disney promotes a whole nother level that everybody's sheep and we all love each other. That's a fucking fantasy. That's just not true. I wish it was, though. I wish it was, too. (laughs) I wish it was, too. But it it doesn't mean there's not good people in the world. There's a lot. Right. But there's also shitty people in the world that'll steal from you. They'll kill you. They'll take advantage of your family. And you've got to be aware of that. Yeah. Awareness is important. What would you say, based off all your experience looking back, is there anything you feel like you would like to go back and do differently? Are you the type of person that says no regrets or what is your thought on that? To be perfectly honest, I have one main regret. I wish I would have paid more attention to the money. Mm-hmm. I did fine. I retired. I got plenty. But I would have had, if I would have, like right now, I sign all my own checks. I check my own credit cards. I sign every off on every invoice. I am absolutely hands-on involved in my money now. Yeah. I've had so much money in my career stolen from me and just wasted in general, pissed away. Because I always thought that, like, like I'm uneducated. So I said, well, if I'll go hire the most educated people. If I'm paying an accountant $140,000 a year to be my in-house CPA, surely if I'm paying a professional that kind of money, they should be good at their job. Well, in theory, you're correct. But I figured out in life, it doesn't matter how much you pay people. If they don't think you're going to inspect their work, they will fuck you somehow. Okay. They will shortcut you and and not all of them, but eight out of 10 will. So I did not pay enough attention to the money in my career. I let other people sign my checks. I let other people sign off on invoices. I did not pay attention to the money. If I would have paid attention to the money the way I do now, there wouldn't have been enough banks to hold the money. That's probably my biggest regret is not paying attention to the money because I thought that if I was paying you a high amount of money that you're a working professional, you should be, you should have my back. Again, it comes back to what I said. Nine out of 10 employees will do what you inspect, not expect. Right. One out of 10 will do what you expect regardless. They're just that type of person. Right. Okay. They will do what's right no matter what, but they are 10% of people. So you ask me the truth and I, you ask me and I will answer it truthfully. My regret is I didn't pay enough attention to the money. Sign your own checks, check your own credit cards. I'll give you a perfect example of what, what happened to me in my business. One year there towards the end, um, I almost went bankrupt. It's kind of embarrassing, but I grossed like 14 million one year and the same year I lost 375000 It was the first year that I ever lost money in business. And I was embarrassed that I made that much. I collected that much money and still lost money. So I'm almost bankrupt. Like I'm, going, I'm upside down. 
So I get heavily involved in my finances and I start signing every check, checking every invoice. And I come across a credit card statement from uh, one of the guys in my where my office of uh, my warehouse manager that had a, um, no, my truck driver that had a fucking credit company, credit card. This is back in the days where seven, eight, nine people had credit cards, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And um, I see this charge for $250 for XM radio. So I call this guy into my office and I said, um, hey, what's this credit card statement for $250 for XM radio? And he said, oh, I got XM radio for the truck, for me to drive the truck. And I said, who gave you permission to spend $250 of my money and just put XM radio in the fucking truck? He said, the the warehouse manager. So I called the warehouse manager in. I sat him down and I said, did you give this guy permission to spend $250 of my money and just put XM radio in the truck? And he said, yeah. And then at that point, the the truck driver guy, he used to drive my truck on tours, he gets a little kind of belligerent and he says, well, it's, 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 only, it's only $13 a month, kind of like I was making, kind of gave the impression I was making a big fucking deal out of nothing, okay? And he says to me, well, it's only $13 a month. And I said, great, if it's only $13 a month, you won't mind paying it, will you? You should have seen this motherfucker's face. Yeah. I mean, he looked at me like I had three heads. And I said, you just made a comment. You said it's only $13 a month. It's not that much money. You'll be happy to pay it, correct? I said, so I want you to pay for this XM radio. What do you think he did? He canceled that XM radio. Uh. (laughs) That's what he did. He canceled it. Do you know what lesson that taught me? When people are spending their own money, they give a fuck. When they're spending your money, they don't give a shit. That was a valuable lesson right there. So that was the start of my whole new career of checking every invoice, checking every credit card, checking every check, signing my own checks. So you asked me if I had a regret. This is my regret. I wish I would have been more diligent on checking on the money. Yeah. Because if I would have been, I could have retired five years earlier with twice as much money. Now, again, I don't want to give the impression everybody's like that because they're not. Okay. I did not use the word all. But I will say this, when it comes to money, you're better off having a very healthy distrust of people than being naive and gullible like me and trusting people and then wake up and realize you've been robbed. Yeah. I could have lied to you in that answer and could have made up some bullshit. I regretted, you know, not doing this, but I told you the fucking truth. That was the truth. That was my biggest regret in my career is not paying attention to the money. It's important to be authentic and true and God forbid anybody else is in this similar situation. Like you just think about those type of things and just knowing if you could save the heartache and the struggle for somebody else, why wouldn't you? I talk to a lot of business owners and a lot of my friends own their own businesses. And I'm going to say you something that will shock a lot of people and piss a lot of people off at the same time. You would be shocked at how many people that are in the accounting industry that steal from you. People that are bookkeepers and accountants, people that are theoretically supposed to be the shepherds of your money, the shepherds of uh, integrity and honesty, you would be absolutely fucking shocked if you actually knew how many accountants and bookkeepers are stealing from their employees when they're not being checked on. It, It would shock you. You'd be horrified. And every time it happens, it's a similar story to me. The owner is too busy hustling. He's too busy making money. He's not signing his own checks. He's not opening his own mail. If you do these three things, you're pretty much guaranteed not to get fucked. Open your own mail. 
so that you know what mail's coming in. Check your own credit card statements and any credit card that employees have got and sign your own checks and sign off on your own invoices. If you do those four simple things, you're almost guaranteed to ward off 98% of theft. Yeah. Those things alone. Yeah. But if you don't do those things, you are literally opening the gate for the wolf to walk into the sheep pen. Maybe you should ask me another question that I could say something positive. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get around to it. Everybody's right? no, everybody's <laughs> everybody started drinking about half an hour. They go, "Fuck, the human race is over." <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, I got a good question. Okay, what experience over you know all your years that you've been working and doing all this stuff? What did you love and would really want to relive that experience again? Mm, what do I want to relive? Shit. I like to ask the tough questions. <laughs> I, I really want to say something positive. Honestly, I don't want to relive any of it. <laughs> Honest to God, truth. I don't want to relive any of it. It was a lot of fucking hard work. It was yeah. a lot of hard work. It was a lot of sacrifice. I don't want to relive any of it. I'm glad I did it. When I took on Down Under Horsemanship, I was 21 years old and I was too fucking stupid to know any better. Nobody told me what it was going to be, so I just did it. Yeah. Do you get what I'm trying to say? You had to kind of learn yourself. Yes. So I'm not saying there wasn't some fun times of it. There was. But what I remember of my career was a shitload of work. Yeah. Now, I'm having fun now. I enjoy the employees that I got now are kind of like family. I'm down to eight. I enjoy what I do every day. I'm having a lot of fun now. I will say that now. Now I'm having a ton of fun. But in my career, I wouldn't really say there's anything that I want to go back and redo again because I just don't. Like I said, work your ass off the first half and hopefully live long enough to enjoy the second half or fuck off the first half and just have fun and you will be forced to work and get a paycheck to the day you drop dead on the second half. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I know it doesn't sound real romantic, but that's the truth of it. But you're better off working hard in your 20s and 30s when you've got energy. Because let me tell you, when you start getting to your 50s, 60s, and 70s, you don't have the energy you used to have. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and the reality of it is, too, if it was fun and easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would fucking do it. You're absolutely right. And that's the whole point. The ones that kind of rise above and become successful in whatever, like you said, whatever avenue you deem to be success for you. You're going to do a minimum of 12 to 14 hours a day. If you want to be successful at anything you want to do, if you're not doing a minimum of 12 hours, more like 14 hours a day, six days a week, you're not going to be successful. Right. Take your pick. Now, unless you're a member of the Lucky Sperm Club, and I fucking wasn't a member of that, where your parents, <laughs> are, lo uh, parents are loaded and they get to leave you a shitload of money. Unless you're a member of that club, you're screwed. I always had the attitude that there is no money when my parents die. I always had that attitude. Well, it's not like you're entitled to it technically, right? No. Parents that are listening to this that have got money, let me give you a little fucking advice here. You know, parents always get pissed <laughs> at me and say, what, what kind of advice do you got and you don't have any kids? I'll tell you some advice, okay? Leave your kids shit. Make sure your kids know that they're not going to get any fucking money. Okay, because the worst thing you can do to your children is make them believe there's something at the end of the rainbow for them. When I die, the money's going to be pissed away. So you better get off your ass and go make your own money. Even if you plan on leaving them some, some inheritance, guess what you do? Lie to them. 
tell them there's nothing. Lie to them. So that when you drop dead and there's some money there, great. There's an old expression with wealthy people, okay? Leave your kids enough that they have to do something, but don't leave them enough that they can do nothing. Right, that's good. You get my drift? Yeah, I sure do. You know what I mean? One time I watched an interview with Gordon Ramsay, you know, the chef. Oh, yeah. And I love I love Gordon Ramsay. And, and one of the interview people said, you know, about he's, you know, he's worth millions and millions of dollars. And he said to his Gordon Ramsay, he said something about what are you going to leave your kids? And he said, I'm not going to leave my kids fucking anything. He said, fuck them. I paid for their education. I bought them a house each. Fuck them. They're on their own. And I fucking loved it. I thought it was the funniest shit. That's a lot. It is a lot. He, bought, he paid for their education in a house? Yes. He still gave them a lot. Yes. <laughs> I love those RV buses when you're driving down the road. There's like a million dollar, two million dollar, pre- well, they're more than a million now. They're like two, two million dollar Prevost bus driving down the road. And it's got a bumper sticker on the back that says, I'm spending my kids inheritance. I love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So so I always had the attitude that there's no plan B for me. When I come to America, I'm on my own. I have to make this work. So the biggest thing that you can do to ruin your kids is give them too much shit. They have to struggle. They have to get some bloody noses on the playground to figure out how the world works. If you make things too easy for them, they turn into weaklings. Even myself, now that I've got money, I'm not hungry like I used to be. Do you know what I mean by hungry? Yeah. It's like, I know this will be a bit of a cliche and you'll, you'll go, laugh at it and say, you know, it's kind of stupid, but it's kind of like the old Rocky movies. You know, Rocky won, the motherfucker's broke and borderline homeless and, and, he, and he's got nothing, but he's got everything to gain because he's just willing to walk. And when Rocky gets yeah. famous and makes all that money, Rocky three turns into a pussy and gets his ass whipped. I can relate to that. I don't have anywhere near the ticker now that I'm retired than what I had 20 years ago. I was savage 20 years ago. I was savage. Yeah. Because I was hungry. You get my drift? Yeah. When you're a parent and you've got money and you make it too easy on your kids, you're just crippling these little pricks. That's all you're doing. You're crippling them. You're setting them up for a false sense of what fucking reality is. Kick those pricks out of the house and make them live on their own. Make them pay their own bills. Make them struggle. When they call you up bawling and crying and I've got no money, say, well, it's great listening to you. See you at Christmas, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what you need to do for them. But it's, it's, it, that's a fact. It's hard. It's hard for parents. But it, you're not wrong at all because even as a parent, when you, when you love your child so much, you want to make sure that you give them everything and they have everything they need but at the same time like and I'm saying this from the perspective of a, of a parent to young kids is if I love my kids so much I'm also going to teach them the skills they need to be able yes. to su- survive being adult by themselves yes so I hear you you can give them love you can give them support and you can give them the gift of education yep beyond that fuck them they're on their own they got to struggle. They got to paddle their own canoe. Yeah. The old saying of you've got to get a few bloody noses to figure out how the playground works is really true. See, uh, fuck it, I'll say it anyway. Boys know this <laughs> more than girls, okay? Boys know this shit more than girls, meaning this. As a boy, a little boy, when we're on the playground, little boys, we learn from a very – and this never leaves our body, even into adulthood. This stays with us our entire lives until we die. We know as as boys, caught boys, men, whatever. If I mouth off to another man or another boy, I'm going to get a bloody nose. 
So as little kids, we know on the playground, if we mouth off to somebody or start talking shit or start stirring trouble, boys, men will get physical very quickly. And it'll turn into a fist fight as little kids. As I got into millions of fist fights as a kid. Okay. Even as adults, even now, if I mouth off to some guy at a bar and I act disrespectful to a guy, I'm going to get into a fist fight and I'm going to get a bloody nose. Does that make sense? Yeah. Men, we know there's a line in the sand. All men know there's an, there's like an imaginary line in the sand that if we fucking cross it, it's going to get ugly. I don't think typically women know that that line's there as much because little girls can get pissed at each other, but rarely does it end up in a physical alteration, does it? No. Well, we're also taught to be – society kind of teaches us to what be – What I'm saying is you can, you, can, you, can, you can still hate each other, but it, typically it doesn't end up in a physical confrontation. I'm not saying girls don't fight because they do. Yeah. But not like boys. Boys, it's instinct, isn't it? Yeah. There's an alteration. Fists are flying on the playground quickly. Girls kind of can mouth off to each other, but there's really not a big physical – price to pay for that does that make sense so so now there might be social ramifications you might lose your friends you might get kicked out of the clicky group you know there's that's how they get punished they get punished in social aspects like that yeah but boys get punished in physical ways okay so what I'm saying is, you know, there's bloody noses for boys and there's mental bloody noses for girls. How about we say that? Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. So when I say as a metaphor, you got to get a few bloody noses to figure out how the fucking playground works. That's something you can't cheat children. They have to learn themselves. Yeah. Okay, you have to let them learn what the playground is in life. You can warn them about the playground. You can give them some good advice, but ultimately it's their shit to get their own bloody nose. So just like if you're poor, a lack of resources can really hurt educating your children because you can't send them to a good school. You can't buy the right books. You know, you can't get them to uh, extra sporting events. You can't give them the education they need when you're really, really poor. I agree with that. But the opposite is true. When you're really, really rich and you give your children an abundance of everything, they turn into shitheads typically. Yeah. So there's a middle ground there. There's a middle ground there where – more wealth doesn't produce a better child. Right. And people laugh at me and people say, you know, what the fuck would you know? You've never had any children. True, but I've raised a lot of people's kids in my career. I've had hundreds of kids come through my academy, hundreds of kids yeah. come through my apprenticeships and, and clinics. And I can tell you without a doubt, the children that come from money, on average, I did not use the word all, because there's always one fucking parent that says, my kid's different. Congratulations. <laughs> Fuck you. Okay. But as a general rule, an overwhelming general rule, the children that come from wealthy parents are the biggest shitheads. They are the laziest. They are the most unmotivated. They typically don't have the passion. Yeah. As a general rule, the children that come from middle-class parents, middle-class America, or poor backgrounds have more try, more desire, more effort. They hustle. Yeah. I'm not, did not use the word all there either because there's some kids that come from poor or middle backgrounds that are shitheads too. Okay. We're talking generalities and, and people always like to say, people always like to think they're exception to the rule. Just because you might be an exception to the rule doesn't mean the fucking rule doesn't exist. 
the rules there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the more I believe that you give kids, there's a line when you cross it, you're actually hurting these kids. I remember one of my apprentices uh, at the time, her name was Shana. She went to, um, it was in high school and went to college. And she told me this story and I never forgot it. She said, when I left for college, I was really angry with my parents when I moved in. I had to move into an apartment by myself. And she said, I moved out of high school, went to college and got an apartment by myself. And she said, I remember being really angry at my parents. And I said, why were you so angry? And she said, because they didn't set me up for success. They set me up for failure. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you it anyway. She said, I didn't have any basic skills. She said, I remember the light was out in the kitchen and I had to call the superintendent, the guy that runs the apartment complex, and I had to call him to tell him that the light was out. And the guy came over and said, the light bulb's blowing. Why didn't you change it? And she said, I'm embarrassed, but I didn't know how to change it. She said, I didn't know how to do my own laundry. I didn't know how to check the tire pressure of my own car. She said, I'm embarrassed, but I had to learn all of that at 18, 19 when I should have been taught that as a kid. I should have been taught to do my own fucking laundry. I should have been taught how to change a light bulb. I should have been taught how to change a tire. I should have been doing that shit. But she said, I felt really angry at my parents because I felt like they protected me so fucking much that when I got out on my own, I was like lost. I never forgot that conversation. I thought that was very true. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. It's really a simple concept, but I think people sometimes yes. overlook that. Yes. Mate, you, you know, when your kid's 13, fuck them. Make them do their own laundry. Make them pay board. Make them pay 25% of any money they make towards electric and board to rent to be there. It's not about the money. It's about teaching them that life is not free. So get in line, motherfucker. Life ain't free. Mm-hmm. So get in line. It's like I have to laugh at all these dipshits that love socialism and shit. They'll get. They'll say, you know, Australia's as socialized medicine. So all these assholes on the world think that Canada and fucking Australia and fucking Switzerland have these wonderful Medicare um, uh, medical programs. Let me tell you how it works in Australia. If you're a woman in Australia and you go to have a baby, guess what? You pay for nothing. You can go have your baby. Everything's paid for. If you're a kid and you break your arm, you go to the hospital, they'll put a cast on your arm, no bill. But guess what? If you have to have a kidney operation or you have to have a hernia or you have to have any operation that's not life-threatening, guess what you get? You get to be put on a waiting list. And guess when you get into hospital? Whenever it suits them. It could be a year later, two years later, three years later. So everybody thinks that that free medicine is free. It ain't fucking free. Australia is taxed at a rate that is unheard of. We are taxed for everything in Australia. One of the highest tax rates in the world. Nothing's free. So you might say you get to have a baby for free. Bullshit. You paid for that in taxes. That's how you paid for that baby. Came from someone. So my, take my parents, for example. My parents were middle class in Australia. Guess what? We had private health insurance. Do you know why we had private health insurance? So that if one of us kids got sick and we needed a hospital, we wouldn't have to be put on a waiting list. We got to go to the hospital, a private hospital, because we had private health insurance. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, e- it's easy to say shit's free. Nothing's free. Why do you think Canadians and, and every other country in the world come to America for most of their medica- medical needs for major operations? 
because they can't get that medicine where they fucking live. That's why. I'm not saying that the medical industry is not fucked up over here. It kind of is. The best way to fix the medical industry over here is open up to let everybody compete against each other. Healthy competition. Open up the borders. Let everybody compete. That'll drop the price to begin with. But what I'm getting at is, is, is back to that parent deal is the more parents that have got money give these kids, the worse they set these kids up to fail. Yeah, it's so true. I wanted to ask you, what would you say is a bucket list item? I mean, you only got to 60, right? Fuck yes. I got to get, I got to get moving. So what is your bucket list item? What do you want to do in your life that you haven't done yet, but it's on your bucket list. You got to do it. My bucket list. Honestly, I just want to have fun now and I want to enjoy the, my family and people around me. Like I'm going to go back to Australia every six months and see my parents. My dad's just got diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and uh, I haven't I haven't seen oh. them a lot. So I'm going to go back to Australia every six months and see my parents for a week or two. I'm going to hang out with friends a lot more. I'm going to see relatives more. I'm going to hang out with positive people. My goal is just to have fun. Just to be perfectly blunt with you, because I've done a lot of fucking things to get retired that weren't a lot of fun. So my goal is just to be around positive people, have fun, and only do things that I enjoy. So some of that might be traveling. I don't really know, but I'll know if it's fun, I know I want to do it. If it ain't fun, I know I'm not going to do it. That's awesome. That may not be the answer you're looking for, but I, I want to... I haven't, I left home when I was 15 years old. I really, I'm 46 now. I really haven't seen my parents much since I was 15 years old. So I want to catch up with them more. They're 70, a little over 70 now. So while they're still around, I want to, I want to try to catch up on family, which most business owners that have made a lot of money all say one thing that they were working so much that they never got to see their family. And that's the truth because I have a little saying and it's the truth. When everything's important, nothing's important. You can only focus on one thing at a time. And typically when you're really focused on your career and business, family, friends, and other things will deteriorate. And then hopefully you've saved yourself enough that you can circle back around and pick some of those subjects back up again. Now, the opposite is true. I don't begrudge people or look down on people that put family first. In fact, that's why I never had children because I knew I'd pick my career. So when there's family, when people are focused on family, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's a great goal. But at the same time, they can't bitch that they don't have a lot of money. Does, does that like, yeah. like take my partner, Kristen, her brother has three kids. Him and his wife have three kids. You can just tell that this fucking couple, they love children they love their kids you can just tell they enjoy being parents they don't have a lot of money Mm -hmm. but they sure as shit pay attention to those kids they know what they're doing they know where they're at they educate them they don't have a lot of money but they really invest their time and resources what money and resources they have they really invest in the children okay i think that's admirable i don't look down on that at all But they also don't bitch that they don't have four TVs. They also don't bitch that they don't go on elaborate vacations. They also don't bitch that they don't have a nice car to drive. Do you get what I'm saying? Because they've made a conscious choice to invest their time, money, and resources into those three children, which I think is awesome. I want to make that very clear. Now, that's their view of success, right? So it's great. That's exactly right. And nor do I hold it against people like me that chose to make money. Does that make sense? That doesn't make me the devil either. No, I think that's, I mean, great that you also made the choice not to have kids because you knew that you 
probably couldn't be as present at you as you should be. I was going to be a shitty dad because I knew I would have picked my career. My first wife, I was married nine and a half years. She wanted the American dream. She wanted the three kids, picket fence, fucking minivan, soccer, you know, the whole bullshit. She wanted that whole dream. And that wasn't my dream. I had a dream to build a business, build a career, build a legacy. So we were just completely mismatched. Why? Because yeah. she was 18 when I married and I was 21 and we didn't know the difference in love and lust. We're just stupid, dumb kids. That's all we were. Goes back to what I said. Don't get married or have children before 30. Okay. But I made my bed. I, I slept in it as long as I could. But I deliberately didn't have children. She wanted children very early. But I knew I was too driven on my career. I was too driven in my business. I did not want to be a deadbeat dad. So when you have children... They sure as shit better be your focus. And if you're a businessman and making a lot of money, you better have a, a woman there that's taking care of them that really is invested in those kids. Because if you're not, they turn into shitheads. Yeah. Who would you say in your life has been your greatest inspiration? Oh, obviously my parents have got me a great foundation. My parents taught me the most valuable lesson I ever got in my whole life, which is a work ethic. You know, work ethic will cure 99% of problems in the world. Just having a work ethic. So them, I would say, taught me that and a lot of other things, but that's the biggest thing. My mentor was Gordon McKinley, who passed away, and Ian Francis, uh, uh, two of my greatest mentors when it comes to the horses. So I would say those three people had the biggest influence on me. You can do a lot of things in life to fuck up in life, but if you'll just do these two basic things every day, get up and go to work and work hard, if you'll just do that, and you'll pay attention to your money, you almost can't half screw up in life. If you'll just do those two basic things, get up and work hard every day, and the money you make, pay attention to it and where you're spending it, you can almost be guaranteed at least an average to a better than average life. If you, you can just not fuck those two basic things up right there. It's a good, it's a good chunk of it, that's for sure. Seriously, nobody ever drowned in their own sweat. I'm a living proof of how lack of talent doesn't matter. I've been the first to say there's many other horsemen that are more talented than me and better than me at training a horse, but I was better at working than them. I outworked them. Yeah. So I'm living proof you don't have to be that, that talented to be number one. In fact, the most naturally gifted people typically never see their careers get to where they need to be because most naturally gifted people, whether it's sports, playing a musical instrument, whatever it is, not all, I did not use the word all, but most naturally gifted people have a tendency to fuck off their talent because it came so easy for them and it came yeah. so natural, they don't know what the grind is. Where dumbasses like me that weren't very talented, fuck, I had to grind it out. I had to really work at my skill set to get good because I didn't have any natural ability to pull from. As far as training a horse, yes, I did have the natural gift of the gab and I had a natural ability to talk to people. But as far as training a horse, man, that was a fucking grind. I had to work at that hard because I had no natural ability there. Now, the odd person has natural talent and as a workaholic, that guy's unstoppable. I'll be the first to admit that. That man or woman is literally unstoppable. But you know how hard that is? We're talking about Michael Jordans now. Yeah, yeah. Well, look at Michael Jordan, though. Got cut from his high school basketball team, right? Didn't he? So That's right. Oh, yeah, I just read a book about him. Yes, but he had natural talent, but he also had a phenomenal work ethic. He worked hard. He worked very yeah. hard. Very hard. I can't remember the name of the book I just read about him, but it was he worked extremely hard. 
And when you really analyze people that work really hard, there's not a lot of fun there. I'll be honest. Like, like It's hard to have both hand in hand. You can't. I don't think you can, to be honest. I don't think you can have yeah. fun and work hard because it's so, most people in life are not lucky enough to make a lot of money from something they really love to do. I'm not saying they're not people that can't do it because there is, but most of us do shit that we don't necessarily love, but we make good money doing it. So that's why we keep doing it. Yeah. Most of the shit that humans do, if we could really do the thing that we love to do, and you say, well, why don't you go do that? You'll look at me and say, well, because it doesn't really fucking make any money. You know what I mean? It doesn't really pay yep. that well. doesn't pay the bills. Yep. I'm not saying everybody, but the vast majority of adults. And that's not being bad. It's just facing reality. No, nope, that's true. When I was kind of preparing for this episode, I came across, I don't know if you knew this, but you have one of those pages where it's like Clinton's top quotes. And I, I came across one that I really liked. And it said... You had said, always be humble enough to learn something new. Otherwise, it's only a matter of time before your knowledge becomes outdated. And just in, in all that you do, whenever you're communicating with people, I've noticed that you make a point to credit people who inspire you or influence you. And you're also able to identify your limits and when to look for others who may know more than you do in, in a certain area to kind of grow and improve yourself. Can you talk to us a little bit about what this quote means to you and how you apply it to your life? I have a saying that your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness. Okay. Every human being has got great strengths, natural in, innate strengths about you. So whatever your greatest strengths is as a human is also what I call the back of the hand, which is, is also your biggest Achilles heel. So take me for example. You could say my strength is, is I'm a great communicator. I'm a good bullshitter. I got the gift of the gab. I can talk. You could say that I'm very honest and forthcoming and I tell the truth. Okay. They're, they're all good qualities. You could say that. Okay. But the back of the hand is I also piss a lot of people off because of my honesty. I can't fucking lie to you. Well, like whatever you ask me, if I'm going to answer it, I will tell you the truth. So the negative of telling the truth is you'll piss a lot of people off. So if Kristen says, honey, do I look fat in this dress? I'm probably going to say, yes, you do. She ain't going to like it, but I'm going to tell her the truth that she looks fat in the dress. You get my drift there? So your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. Yeah. So I piss, I, I communicate well, but I also rub people the wrong, a lot of people the wrong way because I'm willing to say the truth and I'm willing to speak my mind, which is also why the other half of the team love me to death. Now, the opposite is true. I know people that are very mild and meek and never stir up trouble, never cause confrontation. Uh, they never offend anybody. If you said, honey, do I look fat in this dress? They're going to say, no, you look great. In fact, I think you've lost weight. They'll fucking lie to you. Like they'll, they will do anything to create a ripple. Okay. So you might say, well, that's a good person. He's not out causing trouble and everybody likes him. You know, he's everybody enjoys his company but what's the back of the hand he's an unmotivated motherfucker this guy's never going to go anywhere in life because he's not willing to ripple any waves he's not willing to ripple any feathers he's not willing to take risks or anything like that take risk this guy is lazy he'll do 40 hours a week at a factory job he'll never stick his neck out he'll never start his own business he'll never do anything that but when he dies on his deathbed 
he's going to say, man, that was fucking awesome. I really stuck my balls on the line and accomplished something in life. He'll never say that. So his greatest strength is he doesn't piss anybody off. But his greatest weakness is he never gets anywhere in life either. That's the truth to it. So to me, I've always said to myself, if I can recognize my weaknesses, try to then overcome those weaknesses. So one of my major weaknesses was I'm not very educated, meaning that uh, book smart. I didn't graduate high school. I didn't go to college. So I'm not educated in books very well at all. Now, I got very educated in street smart and how the world works, but I'm not educated on books. So accounting bothered me a lot. I was really good at making money, but I couldn't read a balance sheet. You know, I, yeah. so area areas that I was lacked education, I tried to hire the right professionals that were strong where I was weak. So I tried to identify every area of my life that I thought I had a weakness at and tried to say, okay, what have I got to do? To, who can I hire? I've always said this. You don't have to be the smartest motherfucker in the world. You just got to surround yourself with the smartest guys in the world. Does that make sense? I yeah. don't have to know everything in the world, but I sure as shit got to surround myself with people that are smart where I'm dumb. So I've always looked at that as an asset. Find out where you're not very bright. Find out where your downfall is and surround yourself with people that are strong where you're weak and vice versa. So to me, it was very logical. There was no ego involved. It was just logical. I suck at this, so find somebody that's good at this and put them on my fucking team. When you're when you're playing dodgeball, you're playing soccer, and you have to, as a kid, you pick your team. You know, there's 20 people in front of you, and you get to pick. I don't know if I did this in America, but in Australia, if you had to pick out of group, you know, you get a pick, and then you get a pick. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, when I was when I if I was the guy on that team and I had to pick my soccer team, I fucking picked people that were good at soccer. I didn't pick the nerd that was good at the library because he sucked at playing sports. Now, if I was going to pick a team for a debate team, that fucking nerd is the first motherfucker I pick. The guy in the library, I want him on my team because he's going to be the greatest debater in the world. He's going to be so book smart. He's going to know his shit. I don't want the jock that can kick a soccer ball down the field. Does that make sense? Sure does. I pick the guys that on my team of the skill set that I need. So in business, I lacked some of that educational skill set. So I surrounded myself with people that were good at that as best I could. How about we say that? Yeah. So I've just realized if you know what your weaknesses are, turn them into strengths. Turn your weaknesses into strengths. And now they're no longer weaknesses. I think that's really great. I have a couple questions left that I'd like to ask you. What is the most important thing that horses have taught you in your life so far? What's the most important thing horses did? Okay. Horses, you'll get out of horses what you're willing to put into it. No more, no less. And it's almost a lot like life. The more you're willing to put into your job, life, career, or family, the more you'll get out of it. So horses will only give you as much as you put into them. So if you only train them once a week, they'll kind of be shitheads. If you're willing to train them six days a week and put a lot of time and effort into them, they'll ride like a million dollars. They're a reflection of your work ethic. If you're willing to work hard and put the time in, they'll be very productive citizens. If you're not willing to work hard and put the time in, they'll embarrass you and make a jackass of themselves very quickly. Yeah, that's a good one. That's really great. 
Clinton, I can't thank you enough for being on today. I think this conversation has just been fantastic. Just getting to learn a little bit more about you and where you come from and you just your life experiences. I want to allow our listeners, if they aren't following you and would like to connect with you, how can they connect with you after this episode? Where can they find you? Uh, well, obviously, you know, we have Down Under Horsemanship Facebook page, um, you know, Instagram, Down Under Horsemanship and Instagram. We have some TikTok videos, Down Under Horsemanship. I personally don't have any personal social media presence. Everything's through the business. Uh, we are starting our own podcast uh, in the next 60 days. It's going to be called Uncut and Real Raw with Clinton Anderson. How exciting. And I'm going to be interviewing people for my podcast. It's just kind of a fun project. It's not nothing to make money. It's really just a fun project. I want to interview people that are really successful in life, made a lot of money, fucked off a lot, made a lot of mistakes, and and talk to them and get real and, and basically talk about all the shit that you're not supposed to talk about. That's the shit I want to talk about. And it's funny, you know, the stuff that you're not supposed to talk about is also the same shit everybody is thinking and everybody wants to talk about. Everybody (laughs) wants to listen to you though, right? But nobody has the balls to step up and say it. So that's why it's called Uncut and Real Raw because I'm going to get real raw. But I want to talk to really successful people. Uh, I want to talk to them about life and how they made their money. I want to talk to them about money and how they made money, how they pissed away money, what they do different with money. And then I want to talk about their personal lives because most guys and women that have made a shit ton of money are typically a fucking train wreck in their personal lives. And they've been married three (laughs) or four times. They've got 15 baby daddies and, and you know, that's the reality of that. So I want to talk about those three subjects and, get a little drunk and start talking because typically alcohol is true serum for most people. So I want to get a little, a little alcohol into <laughs> yeah. them and see how real we can get. And, uh, and hopefully people will have a good laugh. They'll learn a lot and enjoy it. I'm not looking to take on sponsors. I'm not saying I won't have sponsors, but I'm not looking to take on sponsors. I don't want to be held back from what I can and can't say, and I don't want to be dictated to. So I'm funding this with all my own money. We've done all the branding and marketing for it. So in the next 60 days, you'll be able to see that, you know, if you get on, if you become a Facebook follower, we'll, we'll make an announcement. And this, this podcast is not something we're going to promote as a down under horsemanship. How do we say product or branding deal? This is more about me. I'm not interviewing horse people, if that makes sense. I'm interviewing. Oh, okay, yeah, it's just. I'm interviewing very rich, successful men and women all over the world from other industries. So it's not going to be a, a podcast about why does my horse bite me on the ass. It's not. It's not to do with horses. It's again the three. The three pillars are life, money, and personal life. And, and because in our personal life, we've all done things that we regret. We've all done things what we're proud of. And I think if people are willing to get a little naked and get raw, we can have a great time, learn a lot, and people can get a lot out of it. So I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not even promoting this to my own followers. They, they're welcome to follow it. They're welcome to be a part of it, but I'm not branding it as a Clinton Anderson down under horsemanship thing. This is just a a thing for life. So, you know, it's kind it, of a fun project, a fun project in your semi-retirement yes, life. That's exactly right. It's <laughs> supposed to be fun. It's not about making money. It's not about pleasing anybody. It's just about two guys or me and, a, and there'll be women on there from time to time, I'm sure, but are just willing to get a little naked, get raw and talk about shit in life, which is on everybody's mind. But most people just don't have the balls to talk about it. So I, I hopefully I want right. people to learn about, I want them to enjoy it. I think there'll be a lot of laughter. 
laughter and a lot of fun. I like making fun of myself because believe me, I've got a lot of advice, but I'll be the first to tell you, I fucked up a lot of things in life and I'm willing (laughs) to admit it. And I admit most of the shit that I've screwed up in life because I don't want people to make the mistakes I made. I am more than willing to admit where I've failed, I've done things wrong so that people can learn from it and say, I don't want to make that mistake. I wish somebody would have told me 25 years ago, check your own credit card statements, you know, sign your own checks, check the money. Yeah. I wish somebody would have had the balls to tell me that because I would have saved millions yeah. of dollars. You know, I wish somebody would have been honest enough to, to me to tell me that don't make it easy for people to steal. You know what I mean? Because I, I might have yeah. done things differently. I may not have too, but at least would have liked the warning and the at heads least the up. awareness would have been there. Awareness. Yeah. That's dead set right. Yeah. You know, you might say people don't steal, but you don't drop your Lamborghini off in a shitty part of town and leave it unlocked, do you? Bad idea. <laughs> you know, you don't want to get eaten by a shark. Don't fucking swim with sharks. It's pretty simple. Don't cut your leg and then jump in the ocean and wonder why sharks bite you. I always say there's book smart in the world and street smart. I'm street smart. I'm not real book smart. But there's a lot to be said about being street smart and figuring out how the world works. So I want to talk to people that have made a lot more money than me, smarter than me. I do not want to talk to people that are less than me. I want to talk to people that are richer than me, smarter than me, more educated than me, and better than me because not only am I asking them questions, but I'm trying to learn from them as well. That's going to be a good podcast. Well, thank you, Clinton. Thanks for being on today. Thank you for having me, mate. Next episode, episode 44, we are partnering up with some great organizations to go beyond the barn and support those in our lives that are battling breast cancer. Tune in next Tuesday, September 27th, to hear what we've cooked up with the Therapeutic Writing Center and a breast cancer nonprofit who's received a four-star rating for 17 consecutive years. Be sure to subscribe so you can hear an easy way for you to help us help others. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Barn podcast by Stanley Forage. We'd love for you to share our podcast with your favorite people and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. Until next time, keep your cinch tight and don't forget to turn off the water. (laughs) 